Okay, 1 Peter chapter 3 in your Bible, page 1314 in your Scofield Bible, page 1314. And let's stand please as we read the Word of God together. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, as being ours together of the grace of life. Let your prayers be not hindered. Finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, Love us, brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good, let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. May we pray. Our Father, as I bow in your presence, I thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for another privilege to preach for these that have come for the service tonight. Lord, we need you tonight as always, and I pray the Holy Spirit of God would uh, work in our midst. I pray for wisdom and understanding. Help me to be a vessel that you could fill and use. I pray for understanding that may right and divide the Word of God and be able to bring the message in the way that will please and honor you in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I said this morning I was going to bring a message on how to win your lost loved ones to the Lord. Certainly, probably all of us tonight have relatives or friends that are unsaved, and we'd love to see them saved. Uh, how can we reach them for Christ? Well, we have in our uh, text I read to you tonight how that a Christian wife can win an unsaved husband to Christ. And I've seen this happen, and I believe that, uh, that the Word of God works. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says that uh, a wife who has an unbelieving husband, that she is not to put away the unbelieving husband, or vice versa. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. God says uh, there's an opportunity to win them to Christ uh, by the right kind of example. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, the Bible talks about household salvation in Acts eleven fourteen, when uh, Peter, of course, was called to go down to Caesarea to the house of Cornelius. It says, Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. And Cornelius and his household were saved there. Uh, Paul and Silas, uh, you know they were in prison there and God sent the earthquake and Acts 16, 31, he says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thy shall be saved, 
and thy house. And they were. Noah, in Hebrews 11, 7, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. Noah, of course, preached 120 years. Wasn't very successful, but he got his house in to the ark. And he did it when there was no written scripture, no church, no Christian friends, and yet he was able to reach his family. And this is a wonderful, a wonderful truth. Uh, the Bible teaches that parents can win their children to Christ. Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And in 2 Timothy 3, 15, that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. I think the key is starting when they're young, teaching them the Word of God, uh, living right before them, and uh, praying that God may bring them to salvation. I realize that they have to accept Christ. Uh, of the, it's their own decision. You can't, uh, you, you can't uh, give them your salvation. I've talked to people before, and they, they thought, well, my parents were saved. I, I've always been taken to church. Therefore, I'm saved. Not if a person has not uh, themselves received Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. But uh, there are four things I want us to look at tonight in this text in 1 Peter chapter 3, how a wife can win her unsaved husband to Christ and how we can win our loved ones to Christ. First of all, there needs to be proper behavior. The Bible says here, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Now, conversation has to do with lifestyle. By the way you live. You know, the book of Romans says that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. The book of James turns around and says a man is not only justified by faith, but is justified by works. This confuses some people. Uh, people a person says, well, the Bible has contradictions in it. Uh, Paul wrote in Romans that you're justified by faith. James turns around and says, not only faith, but you're justified by works. And the truth of the matter is that both are right. Romans, he's talking about our standing before God. And before God, we're justified by faith, not by works. You can, you can perform all the good works that you want to, but if you leave Christ out of your life, you won't go to heaven. So you're talking about our standing before God. And in James, you will find, if you study James chapter 2, the phrase, you see then, you see then, how that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. What is it that you see? You can't see my faith but you can see my works that the faith produces. And so uh, it is important that we live right. It is, my works will not get me to heaven, but it may make the difference in whether my loved ones go to heaven and influencing them to come to Christ. For many people, Bible said they testify that they know God, but in works they deny Him. Uh, you know, if we don't live right, then people won't believe nothing we say, the, that we say. So he says, likewise, and of course, He's referring back to chapter 2, the last part of chapter 2, verse 21, for even here and two were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving his example that you should follow his step. 
He said, as Christ was their example, then uh, a, a person is to be an example uh, to their lost loved ones. A Christian wife is to be an example and live right and suffer if, if necessary to win her lost husband to Christ and vice versa. I believe it applies to all of our loved ones. It's important uh, that, that we live uh, for the Lord. Now he goes on, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, while they look at the way you live, while they look at your behavior, then he said, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair, wearing of gold, putting on of apparel. Now, because of that verse, some say, well, it's, you shouldn't wear any jewelry. It's wrong to wear a ring, uh, wrong to wear any kind of jewelry. Well, if that be true, you know, if that's what he's saying, then it'd be wrong to wear apparel. What does he say? Adorning, let them not be the outward adorned, plant the hair, wearing of gold, or of putting on of apparel. Now, I don't think anyone would, would say that that's what he's talking about. Uh, I think he's talking about the abuse of it, and of course they, they did that. The heathen abused it and dressed like harlots, and God says that's not the way you, you get it done uh, by, by the, outward, the outward attire. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, that which is not corruptible, even the ornament meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. You know, that's, that's not easy to do, isn't it? A meek and quiet spirit. A non-retaliatory spirit. A spirit of humility. Uh, you know, many times we, uh, we, we don't control their temper and, and, and we, we uh, are not able, we set a bad example, we're not able to win them to Christ. Then he uses the example there of Sarah. Uh, he talks about the old, uh, the, in old time, the holy women uh, adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. Now notice this is a small L. It doesn't mean that Sarah worshipped Abraham as God, but she recognized him as her authority, whose daughters you are as long as you do well, not afraid with any amazement. Uh, this uh, Sarah there means princess. And... Uh, she was a princess, I think, in the eyes of Abraham. And he treated her like one. And, and she responded by being in subjection uh, to the authority of her husband. Uh, the Bible very clearly teaches the, uh, the, the headship of Christ in the home, uh, followed, by, followed by the husband, that the wife then is to be in subjection to the husband in the home. And of course, the last part of verse 6 is... Uh, is uh, talking about not afraid with any amazement, whose daughter's yard, as long as you do well, and not, not uh, be involved in immorality or infidelity, uh, but uh, certainly uh, one that, that would be submissive there. Then he goes on and talks about the husbands, but let me uh, say a few more things about this proper behavior. In Psalm 51, uh, you have, of course, the, the confession of David. You know, David's sin with Bathsheba and and the birth of the child, the killing of her husband, and, and all that that went on there. And of course, uh, then David uh, is called, and his sin is exposed. And, and uh, you know, David during that time was not effective for God, certainly. Uh, but in, uh, in Psalm 51, verse 13, when he gets his heart right with God, he says, Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
He said, Lord, I want you to restore the joy of my salvation. I want to get right with God, and I want my joy back, and then I will be a vessel to lead others to Christ. And so it was. But it is important that we, we should have our proper behavior. Uh, in Psalm 40, it says, He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and fear, and shall trust in the Lord. And so, uh, if you want to win your loved ones to Christ, you need to live right. You need to live right. You need to be saved, certainly, uh, yourself. And then you need to, you know, that, that faith needs to come out. Work out your own salvation. He talks about working that that is within out so that others can see it and be influenced uh, by, by the way we behave, by the life that, that we live. Then there's a second thing that we see in this scripture, and that is persistent prayer. Verse 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being ours together, the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. You know, husbands, the Bible said, if you don't treat your wife right, you can't get your prayers answered. So, likewise, there's a responsibility uh, for the husband, the responsibility of the wife is to be in submission to the husband, be in submission to God. And then the husband is to honor the wife as the weaker vessel so that we can get our prayers answered. Uh, certainly prayer is important. When I pray, I talk to God. When I read the Bible, God talks to me. That's why there's, there's, no, you know, there's no substitute for the basic principles of, of, of Bible reading, Bible study, church attendance, and prayer. Why do we come to church? We come for fellowship. We come uh, to worship God. We come to praise God. But we come to, get in, to receive instruction from God's book, from God's Word. And so we need to pray, and we need to read the Word of God. The Bible said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, to pray without ceasing. Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. You know, in that chapter, you have the story of, uh, of the, uh, the parable of the widow woman who comes to ask the judge to avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while. But the Bible talks about her continual coming. Because of her continual coming, she weary me. I'm going to grant her her desire. Now, he's not telling us that God is like the unjust judge. That God is someone that, that if we pray, uh, that, that we weary the Lord. And some of us may have grown up with that, with that thinking. I know I did. Uh, have you ever heard a preacher say, you shall not always be asking God for something? You've heard that, haven't you? You shouldn't always be saying, give me this and give me that. Yet when I began to study the Bible, I found out the Bible had something different to say. In fact, the Lord says, you have not, because what? You ask not. <laughs> ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh find to him and knocketh it shall be opened. God encourages us to ask. And we don't weary the Lord when we come to the Lord, but God says if an unjust judge can be persuaded, 
by the continual coming of this widow woman, how much more can God be persuaded when his own children come and ask him for something? What a wonderful relationship, wonderful position we have with the Lord. Let's turn to Luke 11, I think it is. Luke 11 here. And he gives the model prayer in, in Luke 11. Uh, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And, and uh, that's the model prayer. That doesn't mean we all come and repeat that prayer every time we come to church. It's not what he's saying. In fact, you find in Matthew, the Lord talks about uh, vain repetitions. He said, I don't want you coming and praying the same thing every time you come. Many times have we taped our prayers we could play them back to God, couldn't we? Uh, because uh, it's, it's just a form sometimes. I trust it's not that, but it's from the heart. Well, he talks in uh, verse 5 here through 10. Uh, let me just read it in, in Luke uh, 11, page 1090. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend, and shall go unto him at midnight, and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. He from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. He that seeketh findeth him, but knocketh, his shall be opened. Well, here again is a wonderful picture of God's answering of prayer. Here's, here's a man has a friend and, and someone comes to visit him. It goes unto him at midnight. Well, that's a strange time. What if I knocked on your at midnight and say, Hey, I need some bread. You say, man, don't you know what time it is? It's 12 o'clock. We in bed, family's bed, kids, you're going to wake the whole house up. Don't bother me. So, gets quiet. He said, what do you want? said, I've got to have bread. <laughs> well, you know, we talk about friends. I remember hearing B.R. Lakin say, if you, make, if you make a few good friends in a lifetime, you've done well. He says, you can probably count them on one hand. And I've told you that many times, but I, I thought when I heard him say it, I think I've got more friends than that. But as time has passed, I've understood more what he was saying. Not many friends, you go at midnight and say, I want some bread. You find out who your friends are, don't you? <laughs> but anyway, because of his continual coming, because he would not be denied, he gets the bread. And God says, uh, persistent prayer works. Persistent prayer. He used this example, if a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a father, will he, will he give him a stone? Or if he asked a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? If he asked an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give, give, give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them to ask him? Well, God's making a comparison here, and he tells us that prayer works. You say, I've prayed for my loved one for 20 years. I knew a lady that prayed for her husband longer than that. She got cancer. 
But through that, the doctors didn't think she'd live. But through the cancer, her husband got saved, and then God healed her. She lived. But she prayed, if I remember right, over 30 years for God to save her husband, and God saved him. Persistent prayer. Proper behavior. Persistent prayer. In Matthew 15, you have the story of the Syrophoenician woman there and her uh, refusing to be denied. And, and uh, she talks about her daughter uh, that was grievously vexed of a devil. And Jesus says he at the time, of course, was sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he said, uh, it's not meat to take the children's bread, cast it to dogs. She said, oh, but the dogs eat of the crumbs. And God intervened and heard her prayer and, and answered, answered her prayer. Persistent prayer. It works. I think it was Monroe Parker who was holding a great uh, citywide campaign in Kentucky many years ago. And he said not, not, uh, wasn't anything happening. There was no movement. Nobody is getting saved. Nobody is responding. And he says one night a little girl crawled up in her daddy's lap and said, Daddy, I love you and I don't want you to go to hell. He said that big man, broken, walked down that aisle and was saved and said he was a stone that caused an avalanche. said he saw over 500 people come to Christ. Following that one little girl, says, I want you to be saved. I'll tell you, it works. It works. And uh, uh, I can't remember the preacher who, who was having a, a prayer meeting and said... Uh, I said, uh, one lady said, I have two boys and I don't know where they're at. I said, I want, you to, I want you to pray that God will save them. And by this time tomorrow, I'll get two telegrams saying they're saved. He said, now what do you think about a request like that? But he said, the next night that woman came in shouting with her two telegrams. Her boys got saved. God's able to do it. I believe that. We just need to be persistent in prayer. I've seen God answer prayer and seen God save many souls in the past. And uh, I believe that. I remember when I was down in Maiden there, we, uh, uh, this uh, couple of our fellows from the church went out on visitation. And this mother and her daughter uh, was saved. And uh, uh, the mother, in fact... Uh, uh, never did even get to come to church. She consequently passed away. But her daughter came to church, was baptized and loved God and, and was greatly used of the Lord. But uh, she was concerned about her family. And she said, uh, said I want you to pray for, for my family, my relatives. She began to witness to them and pray for them. And there was one fellow that was a truck driver. And uh, I know I prepared the Sunday school lessons when I was there and and uh, we started Sunday school at 10 o'clock, and from 9.30 to 10, I taught the teachers, then they taught the Sunday school, uh, the lesson. And, and as I was there in that room uh, teaching the teachers, then I saw, I saw, I saw this man, a filial man, big truck driver. He came around the corner. I saw him coming around the corner. And God spoke to my heart and says today, it's going to be the day. And we had her service and I preached and that big truck driver came broken down that aisle 
was gloriously saved. He's now in heaven, now with the Lord. But uh, God saved, uh, God saved uh, I forget how many in that family, a whole bunch of people in that family was saved as a result of, of, of this lady being saved. And then he was saved. Then others were saved uh, as a consequence. Uh, so prayer works. And she prayed. Uh, she prayed that, uh, that God, uh, uh, God would, uh, would save them. And, and they began to pray. They began to pray for, for their brother who lived, who lived above Lenore. And they said, he needs to be saved. He's a drunk. He's, he has all kinds of problems and says, oh, I want you to start praying that he'd, he'd, he'd be saved. And I, if I remember right, that was on a Sunday night. And, and that week, either a Monday or Tuesday, I was, I was visiting the hospital or someone where I was at. And... Uh, and that man was down in Catawba County hunting for me, wanting to get saved. And they couldn't get a hold of me, but they got a hold of a young preacher and he led him to Christ. Last I heard of him, he was superintendent of the Sunday school in the church up in the mountains there. And so God answers prayer. There needs to be proper behavior. There needs to be persistent prayer. Number three, there needs to be a pitying heart Verse 8, finally be of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful and be courteous. Have a compassionate heart. James 5.11, the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. He has a compassionate heart. Matthew 9.36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Jude verse 22, and of some have compassion, making a difference. Psalm 126 verse 5 and 6, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, people know if you love them. You want to win someone to Christ, you're going to have to love them to Christ. I told you about John Rice who prayed that God would take his tears away. He says, when God took his tears away, he took his power. And he asked God to give him his tears back. And I heard him preach in person. And he'd preach and cry. And preach and cry. The, the, the power of tears. The power of compassion. People know if you care. People know if you have a compassionate heart. You want to win your loved ones to Christ? Pray for them. Weep for them. Witness to them. Go see them. But go see them in, in, a, in, a, in a Christian attitude with a compassionate, loving heart. A wife can win her unsaved husband to Christ by loving him and having compassion. That's the only way you win people to Christ is, uh, is by pity and heart. And so the Lord is our great example in this. Many, many testimonies could be given uh, for this. I remember hearing Mike Codge said he was in revival and uh, said this man, they heard him up in the mountain. He's up on the mountain praying. And people in the community heard him up there praying, praying that it's for his neighbor, praying that God would save his neighbor in that revival meeting said, Lord, I'm not leaving here until you assure me that my neighbor's going to be saved. 
Stays up on the mountain. It's time, getting time for church to start. He's still up there on the mountain praying, begging God to save his neighbor. They went on and started the song service. Mac Hodge said they already started the service, already singing. Service already began. Here came that neighbor running in the door, down the aisle, hit, fell on the altar, says, I want to be saved. And his neighbor, who had been up on the mountain all day praying for him, came in behind him. And so God gave a great revival, and, and the man was saved. Well, do we have that? We wonder where, why people aren't saved today like they used to be. I'll tell you, it takes a concern, doesn't it? It takes people that care, people that are willing to go and willing to pray and willing to seek God and willing to do whatever it takes. Lord, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll follow the example of Christ. I'll suffer. I'll pay the price. I'll do whatever I have to do to win them to Christ. And then uh, finally, and I guess we've touched on this already, it takes a powerful faith. If you don't believe it's going to happen, then it won't happen. I think it was Curtis Hudson said, if, uh, if you believe you can, you're right. If you believe you can't, you're right again. And so faith, God honors faith. God above everything else wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe in him. What if someone come up to you and said, I don't believe a word you say. I, don't, I think you're nothing but a big liar. I don't believe anything you say. I don't believe, I don't believe you can be trusted. I don't believe nothing you say. You'd say, oh, I just love you to death. You're the best friend I ever had. Not likely, right? God wants us to believe him. He wants us to trust him, to rely on him. In fact, Acts 15, 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Believe in the Bible means to trust, to rely upon. It's not believing. Listen, I've always believed in Jesus Christ as long as I can remember. But I hadn't always been saved. There came a time when I trusted Him. There's one thing, I, one thing I know for sure, a lot of things I don't know, but one thing I'm certain of, if I die tonight, if I die before morning, there's just one thing that I'm dependent on to get me to heaven. And that's Jesus Christ. I'm not depending on my preaching, I'm not depending on my baptism, I'm not depending on my church membership, I'm not depending on my good works, I'm not depending on nothing but Him. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and I shall be saved. James 5:15, the prayer of faith shall save the sick. The Lord shall raise him up. If he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. First Peter 1 9, receiving the end of your faith even the salvation of your souls. In Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. It is impossible to please Him. He goes on here. Let me cover this and I'll be through. Uh, Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrariwise blessing, knowing that you're there and too called that you should inherit a blessing. Well, if we render evil for good, that's Satan's way. If we render good for good and evil for evil, that's the human way. But if we return good for evil, that's the divine way. And that's not easy to do, is it? But that's what God tells us to do. And then he says, uh, uh, let him eschew evil and do good. 
this means to avoid evil, but it goes beyond that. It means we avoid it because we loathe and hate the evil. Why do we avoid evil? It's kind of like if you've read the testimony of Carl Woodbury. Carl Woodbury was a preacher for nine and a half years before he was saved. He, come, he preaches for us every year, once a year. And he said uh, he wasn't a wicked person as such. He said it wasn't that I, wasn't, that I was too good to do it because I was too proud. I was too proud. But he wasn't saved. Anyway, God saved him. But we all, repentance, I think, is, is repentance is an attitude of the heart. We repent, which means to change your mind. We repent because we want rid of sin. We don't want to be a sinner any longer. We want to be changed. Well, we need to believe and trust God. You want to win your loved ones to Christ? Live right before Him. Pray, Father. Have compassion on them. Love them. And show it. We don't love their sin, but we love them as a person. And then we believe God. Just keep on believing God. Lord, I believe you're going to save them. It may be ten minutes before the rapture, but God's able to save them. Don't ever give up. As long as there's life, there's hope. We just need to keep believing. Let's bow our heads.